A quick note on language and disability, honestly. This show is about personal experience. It's important to allow people to define their experience in their own way. This means they may use language that you are uncomfortable with to describe their experiences. Please respect the language that is used and listen with an open mind. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Disability Honestly. I'm your host, Mason Taylor. This show is going to be a lot of different things. Some episodes are going to be me telling you about my personal experiences with disability. Some episodes will be interviews with friends about their experience being disabled. Some episodes will be me telling you about ableism and how to remove it from your life in ways that the able-bodied community can help people with disabilities feel more welcome in this society. And some episodes will be educational about different news things or new treatments that are coming out. I decided to use this first episode as a way to tell you my story about disability and to tell you why it's so important to me to create a medium in which people with all kinds of disabilities can connect and relate with each other. I personally have spastic cerebral palsy, which is a neurological condition that for me was caused by being born prematurely. I was born 12 weeks, which is a whole three months earlier than my due date, which caused my cerebral cortex to not be completely developed. That is what led to my cerebral palsy diagnosis. The way that my cerebral palsy or CP affects me in my daily life is mostly with muscle pain. Spastic cerebral palsy happens when there is not enough muscle tone. Other ways that my disability affects me physically are pretty minor. I'm left-handed because my CP affects the right side of my body and I don't have the dexterity in my hand to hold a pencil. I hate buttons because they're very difficult to do with fine motor skill problems. A lot of just little tiny things throughout the day that people don't think of remind me that I'm disabled and of my CP. Body. For me, it's in my legs. And it causes a lot of tension and a lot of discomfort and just daily, like, functional things. Since cerebral palsy is a neurological condition, it is permanent. The treatments that I have gone through are to mitigate symptoms and manage pain. There is no remission or curing cerebral palsy. It is always going to be around. I'm always going to be dealing with it. It's not like a broken bone that you wait a certain amount of time and then you're good to go. It's something that I treat every day of my life and will have to deal with for the rest of my life in whatever way I think is best for the future. Cerebral palsy treatment has taken on a lot of different faces in my lifetime.
The most frequent thing that I do to treat my CP is physical therapy, which focuses on gaining strength to the muscles and increasing the range of motion, which is hard because a lot of the times you want to focus on one and not the other. Combining the two, it's hard to see a lot of progress, but it's the most important in terms of pain relief. In my childhood, though, I had a lot of other more interesting treatments done to try to mitigate pain and give me as quote-unquote typical of a childhood as possible. When I was six, we moved up to Michigan for six weeks because I was getting hyperbaric oxygen treatments twice a day, and that was before hyperbaric oxygen was used often by like sports teams or in any kind of medical sense. This was the late 90s, early 2000s. Medical science has made a huge jump since then, but hyperbaric was not a common thing by any means. But we lived up there for six weeks so that I could do these treatments and so that I was able to get some temporary improvement as most treatments, the improvements is only temporary, and then the effects were off and you have to do it again. I was only six, so I don't remember this, but my parents always tell me that I didn't know how to hop before, but I could hop after the treatments. Like I said, I don't know if that's true or not, but they're my parents, so we're going to go with it. I had Botox done a lot as a child which is used outside of plastic surgery offices. It's used as a muscle relaxant, and so the injection calms down the nerve signal and doesn't send your brain as strong of a signal to tense up your muscles, which improves your range of motion, which also limits pain then as well. A treatment I did a lot when I was younger was ankle foot orthotics. They are a piece of plastic that you put on, you put your foot into, and they go up to about your knee, and they hold your knee and ankle in one position so that you can't move them in ways that your um, disability wants you to. It helps you keep your foot pointed straight, for example, or from walking on your toes. I'll throw a picture of it in the Instagram, at disabilityhonestypod on Instagram. I'll show you pictures of what that looks like, and other treatment stuff I can find will be in there. Look for the post. But I wore AFOs a lot, pretty much constantly until I was like 10, and then I don't really remember after that. I think I stopped wearing them because I didn't want to be weird. Internalized ableism, y'all. The other thing I did quite a bit of was casting. They would stretch the muscles out after the Botox treatments and then throw it in a plaster cast and wait six weeks to see if it worked, which is a wild treatment plan, but it was something they did a lot, like probably a good hundred times in my young early childhood. So that's partially what my treatment for CP has been like. I've left out 
those are all the outpatient things. I left out the surgeries. Maybe I'll do a whole nother episode about surgeries. Who knows? We'll see. When I talk about how my disability impacted my life significantly, I mostly think of the social impacts. I was lucky enough to grow up in a fairly accepting area in terms of ability, but also I was lucky that I was able passing, which is a term I think I might have just made up where I looked able-bodied. I had plastic braces underneath my jeans, but nobody saw those. I had casts, but only occasionally, and it could always be explained away as some sort of cool injury, if needed. I was able to still participate in a lot of the things that blooded people can do. I got a black belt in martial arts. It may have taken me seven years instead of two, but it's something I was able to do. And a lot of that, while incredible, also shaped my experience a lot because I felt like I wasn't disabled enough to use the word disabled or that if I said I was disabled or had a disability, I was somehow being untruthful because of all the things I was able to do. I had a hard time accepting that I truly had the limits that I had and still have. I thought that because I could do so much, I was able to just pretend that I could do everything that I wanted to and it'd be fine. It wasn't until I turned probably like 14-ish that I started to kind of realize that I had internalized ableism quite a bit and thought of myself as a better person if I was not using pain medication to manage my disability, if I was not in treatment for the pain. Basically, if I was pretending that cerebral palsy never happened to me, I felt better about myself. And it's taken a lot of work to undo that, and there's still days where I feel myself playing that role of able-bodied. We'll be back with more Disability Honestly after a quick word from our sponsors. This week's episode of Disability Honestly is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's free and so simple to use because of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can even add music or sound effects simply. Anchor even distributes your podcast for you, so you can hear it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and many more listening apps. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now, back to the show. I didn't talk about being disabled until the second half of college. For the first half, I kind of decided if people ask, I'll tell them I won't lie or make up something, but people just didn't ask. People in college just kind of like do their own thing and don't pay a ton of attention, so no one ever straight up asked me, so I don't really recall telling anyone in the first half. 
it wasn't until junior year of college, I would say, that I was openly disabled because a friend of mine, who y'all are going to meet later, is a guest in the show, started talking about her struggles with her disability and how it was affecting her daily life. In the first 20 years of my life, I hadn't really considered that that was an option, that CP was changing my life in measurable, significant ways. I was kind of raised to believe the idea that, like, the universe never gives you more than you can handle, and, like, you were chosen to have this because God or Jesus or whatever knew you could handle it. And I'd heard that so much as a kid that I kind of internalized it, and just that was it this was the way it is and so I don't need to be emotional about it I don't need to be like upset that won't help just I just didn't let myself feel emotion around my disabled identity I dealt with a lot of internalized ableism while I was in college a lot of that is because I went to a small private school in the Midwest that at this time is going to remain nameless, but maybe I'll mention it later. We'll see. And the physical campus was largely not accessible. There were incredibly uneven sidewalks that I tripped over a lot. If we were friends and you didn't watch me fall on my face while walking across the quad, I don't even know if we're really friends. I don't think I really knew until after how much of my disabled identity I was hiding and how heavy that was, how difficult. It wasn't really until I had had the experience of coming out as queer that I understood the difference and weight of a secret like that, of not necessarily lying, but like not telling your whole truth. And that that has a significant impact on who you are and how you move through the world. After I'd gone through that, I kind of decided, you know what, screw it. I'm gonna be open about my disability because it's a fact. This isn't the third grade. People aren't gonna ask rude questions. And if they do, screw them. I'll get over it. Something I associate a lot with my disability is my mental health. Yes, mental health is its own disability and is completely separate. But I think a lot of my issues were triggered by having the childhood of a disabled person. For me, I had some traditional childhood experiences. You know, like soccer teams or my able-bodied friends can't relate to. They just don't have those kinds of experiences. But I also had a lot of atypical experiences. Like, by the time I was 10, I could point out all the muscles in the lower leg and explain to you what they did because of how much time I was spending in physical therapist offices. I had had... a major surgery that involved putting hardware in my leg 
just try to straighten the bones. Something that even now, 20 years later, I've struggled with serious depression for the last probably 15 years of my life. I really don't know a life where I'm not on some level dealing with depression. And it wasn't until recently that I kind of figured out that a lot of that has to do with societal expectation and the fact that I'd always known that I don't meet society's expectations and I can't meet them, but yet holding myself to those, expecting myself to somehow be able to do things that my body just cannot do. My body cannot be a runner, but for a while, I was convinced I was going to run a half marathon. That's not going to happen. And if you set yourself up for failure with your goals, the only logical thing that's going to happen is you're going to end up upset that you can't reach them or you haven't reached them. Another significant part of my mental health journey. I also deal with anxiety and panic attacks, which affected me the most junior year of college when I was starting to realize that my disability was an important part of my identity and something that I shouldn't hide from people, but I was still hiding it. It was a huge secret that really weighed on me as a person and it took a lot of extra effort to appear able-bodied, which is something I was very concerned with at the time. A lot of secretly calculating my way in and out of classrooms to make sure I wouldn't trip over people's backpacks if I had to leave in the middle of the class session. I do plan on doing another episode where I talk more in depth about how my mental health influences my experience of the world. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of Disabled Honesty, email me at disabledhonestypod at gmail.com. If you're looking to connect with the show, feel free to email me or follow me on Instagram at disabilityhonestypod or Twitter at disabledhonesty. Thank you for listening and we'll be back next Friday with more brand new content. Mm-hmm.